father's table, an introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. Welcome back to The Father's Table, a podcast where we talk about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. I'm your host, Keith, and I have a very close friend as my guest today. It's really an honor and a privilege to have him. Uh, We've had a very long friendship, and I've seen him grow as a college man to a, like, educational professional I have Dr. Harold McRae Jr. with me today. Uh, He was born and raised in Philadelphia, and he went to Delaware State University in 2005, where he graduated with a political science and philosophy degree. Then he moved to Prince George's County in Maryland, and he started his career as a teacher. And I've seen him work his way up Now he is a principal in Washington, D.C. He's currently working on his first book that helps new administrators in urban areas um, and is the founder and CEO of Men of Education. Harold, thank you for joining us today. No problem, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. Okay. So this is the father's table, and I'd just like to open up every interview the same. So like all our guests, so I'm going to ask you to uh, close your eyes, take three deep breaths, and tell me what comes to mind when you think about your father. me is pretty much a man who has tried his whole life to provide um someone who has given himself um for others and at times a little stubborn but um <laughs> but just an all-around good person with a good heart oh cool man awesome that is a very cool memory of your father uh it sounds very warm too Um, so I'd like to start here as well. Can you take me back to the humble beginnings of Harold McRae? Uh, how was life with your father growing up when you, in in early childhood, let's say elementary school around that age? Um, for me, it was different. Uh, my dad was young. Um, when he had me, so, you know, he was... How old was he? I want to say he was 21, maybe. I think he was 21. I think he was 21 when he had me. Okay. Um, either 21, 22, but he was still trying to figure his life out. He didn't go to college. Um, he was working multiple jobs. Um, and him and my mom were not, like, officially together, so they, I guess they would call them boyfriend and girlfriend, the way people, like, put labels on things. But um, at the time, my mom was living with my grandma. He was staying with his mom. Um, So I was staying with my mother and my grandma at the time. And so, like, you know, throughout the years, he has tried his best. But we had some problems, as, you know, as some of us do growing up. Um, My father had an addiction um, during my uh, elementary years. And so certain things he was not there for. He tried his best to be at many of those things. And while he may have provided financially, the emotional and and the, you know, the social support wasn't always there. I'm not going to say that it wasn't there completely. It just at some times it was missing. 
Oh, okay. So you said he married. Uh, he he they weren't together like by marriage, but they had a relationship. And when he was around twenty one, you believe is when um, you were born, and um, you 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 were born by he was twenty one, correct? Mm-hmm. And how was their relationship? between your mother and your father around that time growing up, you said he struggled with some drugs or something like that, right? I didn't say drugs. Oh, I'm sorry. He had addiction. What what was addiction to? I'm sorry. I assume addiction, my mind automatically goes to drugs. Oh, alcohol addiction. Oh, okay. And did that sever the relationship between your mom and your dad? Absolutely. Um, it was it wasn't a very good relationship. I kind of think that they were toxic for each other. Um, mm-hmm. And the crazy part was, so you know, as a child growing up, you know, we had a, a a situation where we lived together as a family. It wasn't long; it was for a couple of years, and then my mom moved out, and I moved with her, of course. And then you know, my dad had his own place, so I was kind of being shared back and forth between the two of them as I was growing up. And probably wasn't until I got into like the end of, end of middle school, close to high school, I just moved out and went and stayed with my grandma because um, I was living in West Philadelphia um, for my elementary and middle school years. And then high school, I moved to Southwest Philly and I just stayed with my grandma and graduated from there because, you know, she was getting older. My grandfather was getting sick, so she needed additional help. And it was just a better opportunity for me um, to be around more family, like my cousins and stuff that because I didn't have any brothers or sisters growing up. So for me, they were my brothers and sisters. So it was just a better idea. Later on in life, my father eventually got married to another woman who actually lived across the street from my grandmother's house. So he was always there. Oh, so did you? <laughs> so with your father growing up, um, while he struggled with alcohol, I guess the relationship that you had with him was non-existent at that time. Yeah, it wasn't. It wouldn't. It wasn't your typical father-son relationship. Um, it started out that way, um, and then I think as I got older, I became aware of what was going on in the situation, which kind of changed how I started feeling about certain things. Um, there was never a shadow of doubt of where I didn't feel he didn't love me. Um, I know that he was doing the best that he could um, while he was, you know, still working. He was providing, working two or three jobs. He made sure that I had everything that I needed. But the missing pieces, as I was telling you, was like the emotional connection. And I think that was the part that um, as a child, I didn't understand that I needed the most. But as an adult, I now see that that was something that I did need. Is, 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 so do you have you have two children, correct? I currently do. Yes. Yeah. Are you starting to see that now that you are a father yourself, Absolutely. that emotional connection? Absolutely. And I, I now am more intentional about the time that I spend with them. Um, and just, you know, I have a very demanding career. And outside of just being a principal, I'm also demanded to be at places, speak at places and do other things. And so I have to find that work family balance. And so now when I go home, I don't take any work home. Um, my work is not important while they're still awake, <laughs> at least. If I'm working with them, it would be late at night or early in the morning, but it's never in their presence because I know the importance of me being in their lives. Gotcha, gotcha. So while you were in you know, the early childhood stage, mm-hmm. let's go to middle school, that, mm-hmm. that area. Were you involved in any sports? So ironically, I was in the beginning. 
um, I started off playing basketball. And then, you know, because my dad is a big sports figure. Like, he loves basketball and he loves baseball and football. But his, his, his thing was basketball. And I started to enjoy the sport. Um, I went to school with a couple of my cousins. And so they, you know, tried to get me to get on the team. But I started to resent playing basketball because I started to resent my father. And because of that relationship, it was just kind of like, you know, I didn't want to do it. Like he would take me to the court on Saturdays and like he wouldn't show me the art of basketball. He would just show me the skill of it. And it was just to me, I'm like, well, as much energy as you put into this, I want you to put energy into other things. And I just told him, no, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I stopped playing sports. I stopped kind of, you know, because I felt like that was something that he wanted and it wasn't something really that I wanted, if that made sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you said you started to resent your father around middle school. What, what, how did that happen? What, what happened with that? I think, you know, those were the years of the peak of the addiction. And so, um, Mm -hmm. I think those were the years where it kind of really started to get crazy for me and that I didn't really understand what was going on. And so as a protection, I would always be with my grandparents so that I didn't see the, the, you know, the results of the addiction of, you know, the impacts that it could have on a potential person and their family structure. So to keep me protected from it, I was always with my grandparents on the weekend. It was never done during the week. Um, During the week was like a regular nine to five, you know, like people get up, go to work, but they know on the weekend when you get paid, it's time to party, it's time to hang out with your friends. And then here I am with my cousins. Were you told about his addiction or was it something you put together piece by piece and you saw unusual behaviors from your father. I saw unusual behaviors. Um, I didn't know right away that it was an addiction because, you know, as a kid, I'm just thinking it's drinking. So, you know, to me, it's just people, this is what happens when people drink, but I didn't know it was really an addiction until I got older and he actually told me it wasn't wasn't until maybe almost in college that I found out that it was an addiction. Because, you know, after, like I told you, after middle school, I went and moved in high school and I lived with my grandma while my dad, you know, I believe he started to get clean. He got married to another woman and they lived across the street from my grandma's house. So it was just kind of like I saw him getting his life together. It was a different man. But again, I didn't spend a lot of time with him during those years because I was with my grandma. So I would see him when he got off work and a couple of times on the weekend. But, you know, you get older in high school, you start to work, you start to get your own friends, you start to hang out. And so the relationship piece or developing the race, the relationship between a father and son at that point for me it was dead like I, i've moved on now i found something else in life that's going to occupy that space and time so I, I i have to point this out i think it's a beautiful thing that your father opened up to you mm-hmm. about that um and you said you were in high school when no it was had... college when i found out yep oh college when when he when okay we, we could get come back to that um so Around that time of middle school, you started to resent your father a little bit uh, because the whole things. So with him struggling with alcohol, did that make him very unreliable? And that was some of the patterns you picked up, like he would not come through on his word, um, things like that. Or you just see him drunk and just falling out all over the place. I mean, I don't know. So... I would say there was a there was a mixture of him being unreliable. I think the good part was that my grandma made him keep his word if he said he was going to do something. Um, but it just 
I started to see things like, so for instance, um, I, and you know, as a kid, sometimes you have memories in your head that you'll never forget. And I know again, right. you know, whatever my father was going through, I couldn't understand at the time because I was a child. So I, I, I place no blame on anyone. I feel like it's a life experience and we go through things and then we come out on the other side of it because the man that I know now is not the man that I knew those years in those years, you understand in 94, 95, 96, he was a totally different person. But however, Absolutely. at the time, yeah. Um, I remember one time it was an honor roll assembly and he showed up drunk. And I was like, oh, God, I, I don't let them call my name. I don't want him to, you know what I mean? I don't want to be embarrassed. And while he didn't embarrass me, it was just kind of like, you know, afterwards, I didn't want to be around him. I just wanted to go back to class and didn't want to say anything. But that's a memory that I have. And it's just kind of like, you know, should I have had that memory as a, as a you know, eight or nine year old? Probably not. But I do remember it. Um, it doesn't help me um, any more or less as an adult, but you know, again, it puts me in a position to not make sure that I make those decisions as an adult with my own children and making sure that I don't go down those pathways. And and my father, one thing about him, no matter what, he always pushed me to be the best person that I could be, no matter what. Like he told me, like, you're going to college, you're getting out of Philly. He was like, you know, I want you to make something of yourself. I don't want you to be like everybody else around here. And that was something that was very consistent from the early years. Um, cause even in his addiction, he still got me into a science, uh, pre-college program while I was in middle school because of his connections within the community. And so, like I always tell folks, it wasn't always all bad, but that's in any, every family has their different dynamics. Right, right. That is amazing how it sounds like the love he had for you, uh, compelled him to push through that and also, uh, show you a better way and tell you a better way and demonstrate a better way as the best, the best and the best of his abilities. I think that's really awesome. Um, so let's get to high school. Um, you graduate, you get into Delaware state university, uh, where we met, um, uh, was he at your graduation? High school graduate. Absolutely. Because remember, at this time, in my high school years, he started to become sober. And so he started getting his life together. Okay. I told you he married somebody else. And so, yeah, he was he, he started to transform into this different person. It still was a little awkward for me because it wasn't the guy that mm -hmm. I knew growing up. Like, he was becoming somebody else, which was a better him. Um, and I know that he had to do what he had to do for himself um, in order for him to be better for all of us. And so, again, I hold no judgment, no fault. But, um, yeah, so he was there. He he was my biggest supporter. You know, he made sure I had everything I needed to go to Delaware State. He sent me money. Um, he helped buy my first car. So, like, like again, he started to transform into this man, this father that was different from the father that I had in my younger years. But um, he was there. He was very supportive of it. Right. And throughout your career of Delaware State, it sounds like he was very intentional. He was there for you. And it's and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys still have a good relationship. Yeah, to I think our relationship today is stronger than it's ever been. Like I talk to my father every single day. That um, is awesome, man. That's a blessing, yeah. girl. That's and awesome. I think the other thing also, I the kids like he he loves his granddaughters, and so like he calls and talks to my oldest every day, and she needs to talk to her pop pop, and so it's just like the strength of having a, a children kind of even strengthen our relationship. And, you know, my dad talks to me about a lot. Like, we share a lot of things in common. Um, it's so scary because I see myself in him now um, in certain ways and certain aspects. And so, like, my dad is a hard worker. 
Like, you know, like I said, after he sobered up or whatever, he worked extremely hard. And now he's currently sick. He's like battling um, kidney disease and he had a cancer scare. And so like, you know, he can't work anymore. And, you know, him being home is different from him going to work every day. He's getting older now. And so it's kind of like, you know, he got to relax and chill. But um, it's made us, you know, grow even stronger and even tighter and just, you know, sharing stories and exchanging ideas and, you know, him help guiding me. Um, he's still like one of my number one supporters out there. Gotcha. That's, a, that's an amazing story. Um, and just to segue into another set of questions, I think that you know, your story with your father shows one of redemption. And I want to get into that mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but first, I want to go here. Uh, so you said your mother and your father weren't, weren't married. Not to each um, other. They married. Mm-hmm. Not to each other. To each other. Right. Um, how is your father's relationship with your mother like now? Your biological. They are best of friends. It, it's, awesome. Um, awesome. That is awesome. Like just for instance, this past weekend we went to Philadelphia and I went to his house first to let him see the girls and then I was going to just take the girls over to my mom's house. He actually came over. Like he comes over during the holidays, he eats over there. Um they have no ill feeling towards each other. Like they're really, really, um really, really close. And I think, you know, it's just of course, because of me. Not saying that I'm the reason why, but that's that's what their common interest is, myself or whatever. So they share grandchildren, they share a child together. Um, and so it's just, and it's always been like a family oriented structure with them. It's never been nothing ill will. Now in the younger days, it wasn't the same, of course, because they both were young, both young kids in love and you know how that goes. But, you know, as you know, as you get older, she went off and she married and she got really into, um, you know, God and, you know, she's a deaconess in the church. And so, you know, they went on separate paths. However, they both went off and married other people. And so all that stuff they did in their past, nobody holds that against each other. It was just, it just happened and you move on. Awesome. Awesome. And just a segue, you brought up your mother um, having a relationship with God. Um, So was your father religious? No, he was not religious. However, he, um, he grew up in church like most kids back in, in, in the 60s and 70s in the African-American community. You know, um, you know, Christ was the center of all, especially with your grandparents. And so, you know, you don't have no obligations but to go to church <laughs> and you better live right by God. So he was, he, you know, he was reared in the church. Um, it wasn't something that he frequently visited as he, you know, into his adult years. My father always has a, he, he believes in God. He understands. Um, so he, 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 He's just not into going to particularly going into church, if that makes sense. Um, gotcha. So, yeah. So how does that inform your view on like religion now? Does, do you take a piece of what you've seen in your father, cultivate in your father, and you kind of apply it to yourself or you have your my own, own? My own. And it's, and it's primarily because of his sister. So when I was younger, my aunt used to take us to church every Sunday. It didn't matter. Rain, hail, sleet, snow, sunrise service on Easter, like no trick-or-treating, we eating hot dogs at the church. Like So, so <laughs> I, I grew up in church my entire life. So there was no getting away or getting around it. Um, as I got older, I realized that the relationship with God was more important for me um, and deepening my understanding of what, you know, the meaning of life was for me. And so I had to establish my own relationship outside of what I was particularly 
I don't want to say instilled or brought up in, but I had to start reading the Bible for myself to get an understanding. Me going to church as a young person, you know, I'm listening to what the preacher was saying, but it wasn't really resonating with me at that time. I'm like, I'm just a kid. This don't have nothing to do with me. But as you get older <laughs> and you start to realize, and then it's like, you know, I don't wake up. There's not a day that I don't wake up and I don't open up my Bible or I don't listen to a podcast um, sermon or it's, it, it just it just does not happen for me. Like, that's what kind of keeps me centered and keeps me grounded. And, you know, sometimes like I have people who will pray for my father um that are connected to me and i see how god works sometimes and you know i try my father is very stubborn okay and so he's not going to go to church <laughs> it's just the end of it but he believes in god he'll take a prayer he'll pray with you um he'll pray for you um he he's on the group text in the morning when we send the uh scriptures out so i know that he's still getting fed some kind of way and it, i know i'm doing my best to save his soul but he has to save his own soul but it's just like yeah, so his his relationship with God, I know he has one, but our relationships are different. But it wasn't anything that he did to build that relationship for me with God. That was all through my aunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, next question. Was your father active in the community in Philadelphia? Any sort of community? Any do any outreach? Um, I don't know if it was community outreach. I think my father was just popular. I think he was very popular. My, I told you my father was heavy into sports. And so like playing street ball with all the neighborhood folks, you know, running the parties with folks like he he was the neighborhood guy. So his name, his nickname is Ham. So because his initials Harold Anthony McCray. So they called him Ham. Um, so, you know, Ham was running the streets like he, he, he had a lot of what do you call street credibility back in those times. And so that's how he was able to build connections with folks so he may not have you know went to college and got degrees and was able to network within those spaces but he was able to network through the streets and that's how he was able to connect with folks gotcha now him being popular did that make you want to get involved with the community did you see that because i know you're very active you have a uh you started an organization and it's really community driven is that what cultivated your community service Um, now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. No, honestly, it wasn't. Keith, when I was in high school, I even in college, like I had no real desire to do anything within the community. It was, I went to go get a degree because somebody told me that I needed to. And I was just content with coming back, working um, for UPS or working at a hotel after I got my degree. And that was going to be set. It wasn't until I got into college, my senior year, I was the SGA president. We went to some conference and it was this black guy screaming about how Black men don't take advantage of our education. Howard was giving away a free master's if we promised to teach for three years. And all I heard was Washington, D.C. and free. So I still wasn't really, (laughs) I still didn't hear the give back part. But once you started learning about what, you know, education does for people and the gateways that it opens and how you can, you really are molding somebody else's child. Like they're sending you their very best each and every day. And it's your responsibility to make sure that they're learning. So I'm teaching somebody's child how to count, how to add, how to read, how to write, how to articulate themselves. That's a major deal because you don't know the influence that you possess or the influence that you have over these kids. And so I started to see the difference that I was making getting into that. And it's crazy because my father and my mother will always tell you that I was I was supposed to be a teacher. Like they'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. My thing was I thought I was going to be a politician. So I was like, I'm good with running my mouth and I'm good with, you know, I I have a way with folks. And so I felt like I could close some deals and do right by the community. But it was just kind of like that didn't come from my father. I think the gift of talking came from my father. But as far as 
being influenced in the community, I think that was something that I learned by just getting into education. I think that kind of pushed it further. You know, um, you didn't have a lot of, you know, we had some political figures to look up to as African-Americans, but, you know, most of them came before we got here. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so a few more questions just to wrap it up. Uh, I put a quote up, or I put a tweet up on a few days ago where it seems like in today's culture, a lot of people are into history and black history and what happened in the past and things like that. And I think there's a value to that. Um, but what I'm found is that it's really important to know your family history. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, I want to ask you, how do you think your father's relationship was with his father? From what I viewed, they were close. Um, my father mm-hmm. was the, the youngest out of all five of his siblings. So I think he got most of the attention more than anybody else. Um, I think it really hurt him, although I think my dad was closer to his mother than he was his father. Um, my grandfather was a no-nonsense, like, you know, engineer working. He, back in the day, you not going to run his household. He ran a very strict household. The wife cooked. He sat down, waited for his meal. You're not going to make no noise after 730. And he didn't care who it was, his children or whether it was us. It was just kind of like, so I, you know, I observed him doing a lot for his father, like, you know, getting his dad car fixed, taking him to his appointments, making sure he went to dialysis. I've never observed my father disrespect his father at all. And so, like, I Mm -hmm. think my dad came from a very um, family oriented structure. Um, it's just that, you know, like I say, you're young, you get into the streets and, you know, it it introduces you to a whole new world. Um, but I think he was grounded and I think his parents did it the best that they could with five children in that time. So I think their relationship was extremely close. Like I I watched them, you know, maneuver as I was growing up. Awesome. Awesome. And final question, uh, you being an educator working in the community, cultivating young minds would you say that fathers are essential in the growth of these kids we see today or the youth today do they need to be essential or are they essential are are they essential like are fathers essential absolutely and i don't think it should be mistaken for anything else um whether the parents are together or not i think it's very important that children have that relationship with their father um, even if it's in the traditional sense or whatever sense you want to put it in, a, a child needs a man in their life. Um, you need someone. It doesn't necessarily, I know that we hold the title as being head of households. And I know some kids are growing up where there are women as the head of the household, but I think that father's structure is, is totally important. I even see the way that my daughter responds to me versus how they respond to their mother. You see it. At, Absolutely. You're right. You see it at such a young age and, and I think it's important um, that we be there. Um, I, I work in a school where 100% African-American community. And I witnessed, the crazy part is I've witnessed children die within the time that I've been here. I've seen children lose their parents to violence, being run over by cars, um, in and out of jail. And I know that my role in, in, in what I do plays a huge impact to how they're going to grow up. And so... Not only am I a father at home, but I have to be a father. I have to be a counselor. I have to be, you know, a, a therapist. I have to be a doctor and all of those different things in this actual role. But you get to see the blessing that you are to somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I understand that 
Yeah, absolutely. My- there was another guest I had um, where, and maybe I'll ask you this and we could definitely wrap up here. I know, again, thank you for coming on the show. Um, he's He worked with at-risk mm-hmm. kids and he said that some of the kids would slip up and call him mm-hmm. dad. Has that ever mm-hmm. happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> wow, it that is, is amazing. Is. The funny thing is, um, they'll say, you'll look like my dad or, 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 you know, dad, and I'm like, yo, I'm not, I'm not your father. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, because I respect, I, I understand that they do have a father somewhere out there. And I, I'm not trying to fill his role, but I'm doing my job right. to make sure that you don't feel like you're lacking anything. So sometimes it requires me to stay a little later at work and spend a little extra time with a student. Sometimes it requires me to give up my lunch break so that I can sit down and eat lunch with them just to see how they're doing. Um, sometimes it requires me to answer my phone at eight o'clock at night because one of them may have a question. That's the part of the job. That's the requirement. And that's why I always say that, you know, um, when you know your purpose in life, like all the things that you do are manifested through your actions. And so like, I know that I was not put here for myself. Like I know that my role was to give back to some form of fashion. And I believe that this is the path is through education, being a voice at the table for the voiceless, making sure that I'm advocating for them. Like you don't know how livid I was that I didn't know anything about black wall street until this year. So it was just kind of like moving forward as a elementary school principal in a hundred percent African-American community, my students will know their culture and they will know their history, regardless of what they're shoving down from central office, I'm going to do my part to make sure my students know what they're supposed to know. And if I, it's good to be in good trouble. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harold, thank you so much for coming on the Father's Table podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening. And uh, is there anything you want to share? Did you, uh, Harold, you can have the last word and want to promote your uh, organization. Anything you want to okay. share? Um, so honestly, just saying thank you. Um, I appreciate you creating a platform for us um, to to allow to talk about the influence that fathers have in children's lives. I think a lot of times we as men get a bad rep when it comes to fatherhood, um, especially African-American men. And so we do need a platform where our voices can be heard and be elevated, especially in the midst of everything that's going on. So I just ask that you continue to do this. Um, continue to push, continue to get these guests in here. And just, you know, even if you move from the aspect of the influence, I know the topics will fluctuate and change, but um, I'm definitely going to make sure that I spread the word so that more fathers can connect to you so that you can get a different perspective. Because we all come from different backgrounds, but we all have that one central thing, which is that we're doing this work of being a father. Um, and, it, and it is truly a blessing. So thank you for having me.